Hello, folks. Now that the Negative Positives podcast has completely sold out and is accepting your hard-earned money in the form of coffee donations or Kofi donations or basically KO-FI slash negative positives, we'd like to take this opportunity to sell our soul to corporate America and have a message from our sponsor. Come on down to Wayne's Working Man's Camera Shop. We have the largest selection of cameras for the working man, specializing in Pentax and the Leica R series. Come in this month for a special on Holga student kits to get you started in film photography. We have locations near most factories. Wayne's Working Man's Camera Shop, where we work hard to get you in a camera that will beat the pants off those white-collar workers' cameras. Welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode 319. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave here in Louisville, Kentucky. Very sultry, hot, summertime Louisville, Kentucky. Love it. I love it. I love the hot weather. Uh, all right, so let's get into this. It's kind of a, it's a solo show, so we got listener interaction, right? So just got a couple of things. Uh, received a couple of cool things in the mail. Uh, the first thing is, uh, I think in the last episode, Roxana Angles mentioned she got a little postcard, beautiful postcard from Bob St. Cyr. Well, right after we aired that episode, lo and behold, in my mailbox was also a, uh, a wonderful postcard from Mr. Bob St. Cyr. He says, hi, Mike. Hope this note finds you and your family well. This is something from my Lumen work, being uh, at home, a Lumen print, Bob St. Cyr. And uh, it is a beautiful uh, print. Uh, it's called Lumen Leaves, and uh, yeah, this looks more like these these prints um, look more like artwork than uh, like art, like fine art than a, an actual photograph. They're very cool. Uh, something I wanna I wanna try this at some point. Get some expired photo paper or whatever, and and just see what happens. Uh, it looks like a really fun little project. And uh, thank you so much, Bob, for this uh, beautiful postcard. You can see uh, Bob's work on Instagram at uh, photo.bob, F-O-T-O dot B-O-B. Uh, thank you, Bob. St. Cyr, so much. Okay, next up is uh, an author uh, named Kim Bill uh, reached out to me and sent me an email. She says, Dear Mike, I'm ready to ask if you would uh, like to receive a copy of my new book, which will be published later this month. It is called Good Pictures, and it traces the rise and fall of 50 stylistic trends through the history of photography, from Rembrandt and effect lighting and vignetting to in the 19th century to the return of on-camera flash and square format film more recently. It will be published by Stanford University Press, but it's a general audience title, and I hope it will be of interest to, uh, to casual Instagrammers as much as it will be a source book for photographers and historians with best wishes kim so i reached out and said kim sure i'd absolutely like to see this book and uh i told her that uh and then you know a little bit later i received it sent her a thing saying uh saying that i'd received it and wanted to find out what else she, she kind of wanted me to uh uh say about the book uh, as far as her information and she got back to me and she says uh, hi mike i'm so glad you received the book and that you are enjoying it 
It's now available for purchase on Amazon. And it's uh, the number one new release in photography. Wow, congratulations, Kim. Uh, or at local bo uh, bookstores through Bookshop. I've been doing some fun social media challenges. You can see my last one here uh, based on a 19th century photo manual. So it'd be great if you could direct listeners to my Instagram, which is at K-E-B-E-I-L, K-E-B-E-I-L uh, on Instagram. Uh, here's another short article I wrote related to the book about the naming of popular trends in photography, like the recent explosion of bread photos on Instagram during quarantine. And uh, she gives me a link, and I'll put that link in the show notes uh, for this episode. Uh, she continues, My greatest hope for the book is that it will serve as a source book for photographers, whether they're casual Instagrammers, students, or serious artists. My intention was for the short chapters to be easily browsable, so you can easily pick it up for inspiration and don't feel obligated to read cover to cover. Uh, thanks again for, uh, for your interest and let me know if I can answer any other questions. Uh, best wishes, Kim. So this is a book called Good Pictures, A History of Popular Photography by Kim Bill. Her last name is B-E-I-L. Um, and this is a beautiful uh, book, folks. And uh, I do like the way she laid it out where you can kind of just like pick uh, certain trends you want to read about. And uh, yeah, just uh, uh, kind of use it as a source book sort of uh it's it's nice uh it's almost like a, an educational book in a way you could look at it like that but for me i think uh, the way i, I see me myself using it is i, I think first of all i'm gonna be spending a lot of time with this book because it's, it's beautiful there's so much cool information in here uh but like just like going through the index and uh checking out uh you know some of the trends that are, that she's wrote about and uh just going to that page and kind of reading just about that trend and and hey you know maybe uh using it as like inspiration so like if you're in a rut or whatever you could go back and look at some of these uh, trends in photography through the years and see if maybe it's something you can incorporate in your photography. So I think uh, as much as an educational book that this might be, I think honestly it's it's really an inspiration source book, uh, I think. And uh, at least that's how I see, see it affecting uh, my photography as I browse through it and, and read it. Um, uh, I did a face cast on it uh, Friday night, the weekend face cast, and I kind of just quickly skimmed through the book. Uh, kind of give you an idea how just how fast it is uh so if you want to check that out it might give you an idea but again you can purchase this on amazon uh and or through uh, uh local bookstores through i guess it's a i guess it's maybe a website that helps you find it in local bookstores called bookshop i don't know i've never never been to that site but again uh check out kim bill on instagram at ig uh, or instagram at uh, k-e-b-e-i-l and uh, thank you so much, Kim, for this beautiful book. And I hope that you sell a lot of them uh, because it, it deserves it. And hey, you know, printed by uh, Stanford University Press, that's, uh, that's pretty, uh, pretty legit, right? And uh, also, I will say this. Here's, here's the description on the back in case my description is, didn't make a lot of sense. It says, a picture-rich field guide to photography in the United States from daguerreotype to digital. We are all photographers now with camera phones in hand and social media accounts at the ready. But what makes a good picture? Soft focus yearbook photos from the 80s are now hopelessly and happily outdated, as are the low angle portraits fashionable in the 1940s or the blank stares of the 1840s. From portraits to products, landscapes to food pics, Good Pictures proves that the history of photography is a history of changing styles. 
Kim Bill uncovers the origins of 50 photographic trends and investigates their original appeal, their decline, and sometimes their reuse by later generations of photographers. Drawing on a wealth of visual material from vintage how-to manuals to uh, magazine articles to, for working photographers, this full-color book illustrates the evolution of trends with hundreds of pictures made by amateurs, artists, and commercial photographers alike. Whether for selfies or sepia tones, the rules for good pictures are always shifting, reflecting new ways of thinking about ourselves and our place in the visual world. Uh, Kim Bill teaches art history at Stanford University and writes about modern and contemporary art for publications including Art Form, Art in America, and Photograph. Uh, again, Jeff, check out this book, Good Pictures by Kim Bill. It's, it's amazing. And I think, uh, I think you'll find it very inspiring, which because I, I certainly did. So, uh, again, thank you, Kim. Uh, beautiful, beautiful work here. Okay, uh, I'm going to take a little break because uh, that's pretty much all the uh, all the social uh, stuff that I have this week. Uh, so we'll take a break here. I'm going to get to a solo show interview uh, that I did with Mr. Jacob Erickson out in Sweden, a little trip to Sweden. So uh, we'll hear uh, that interview right after this break. So we'll uh, be right back, folks. folks so you know one thing i've been doing during this uh, this time off uh, during the corona covid uh, uh isolation is i've had a lot of a lot of time off from work and uh, particularly like late nights i'm usually here in the gutter man cave and it gives me a, a chance to like reach out to people all over the world that you know have a hard time kind of like coming on a normal episode and, and being a guest on a normal episode when we normally record uh and you know i'm trying to trying to take advantage of this time and get as many people on as i can that i don't normally get to to get on the podcast and uh this this particular recording is being recorded on may 1st and uh because i already recorded actually an, an earlier segment uh, this tonight with uh, herbert said uh, also on may 1st uh it could be a couple months before this actual interview airs. So if there's anything we talk about in this segment that's maybe uh, a little time sensitive, maybe it won't make as much sense when it airs. But uh, yeah, I think it'll be still pretty relevant because, I mean, it's not going to be so far away that people don't remember what was going on. So I don't think any of us are going to forget this uh, this weird time <laughs> that we're going through right now. But so I, uh, again, like earlier, I talked to Sven Olaf Humberset in Norway, and now I'm taking a trip to the wonderful country of Sweden and talking to Mr. Jacob Erickson. So, Jacob, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fine this sort of morning. <laughs> yeah, I keep saying tonight, and it's morning for you also. <laughs> yeah, night for you, morning for me. Right. And uh, I, when I, in the pre-recording, I asked Jacob, like, I've been calling him Jacob Erickson on the podcast anytime I've mentioned him. And I was like, well, how do you actually pronounce your name? And he told me, uh, like, actually, it's, uh, it should actually be, was it Jakob? And, uh, yep. but, you, but you told me to go ahead and do it American style, which I appreciate because it's a lot easier for me to say, say Jacob. So uh, I appreciate that. You know, trying to help this uh, Kentucky guy, uh, uh, you know, deal with international languages of, of, uh, of mystery. So <laughs> there you go. But, uh, all right. So, uh, Jacob, since this is your first time on negative positives, uh, the first thing we got to do, we got to talk about like, how, how'd you get into this photography madness? So uh, tell us about your, your journey in photography. Yeah. Um, well, 
originally I'm I'm 43 years old, so um, I'm not super young. <laughs> and uh, I you come young, from you're younger than me, brother. Younger than me, yeah, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, not by much, I guess. But anyway, <laughs> we both come from the land of no digital photography, where right. photography was equivalent to film photography. Mm. And that still is kind of how I feel about it. Um, but um, anyway, really early, like uh, before I was 10 or something, I can't really remember what my relation to photography was, but I do remember uh, in the low teens how I actually was interested in photography. Mm. In my middle age, I didn't, I wasn't sure, I didn't think much about it. But when I started again, um, taking photos deliberately, say four years ago, mm-hmm. I remembered my childhood that I was actually very curious about how everything worked. And I was curious about my dad's darkroom equipment, which I uh, never got to use because he didn't have the chemicals or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever we could afford it, which was like maybe for my shooting once or twice a year, I waited for my roles to come back from the mail order lab. And uh, I borrowed my dad's uh, SLR and I played with longer exposures and taking pictures of weird red chemical reactions in a, <laughs> in a glass <laughs> with chemicals I found in school and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I was 16, I had this idea in my head that hmm, if you had a really blackened out room and you took a uh, a home computer, an 8-bit computer, and connected a stabber to it and some LEDs and drove it and had a camera in bulb mode. Shouldn't that make a picture? And how did they come out? <laughs> I didn't because I couldn't uh, source all the equipment. But I had all these ideas, both, um, I think, in retrospect, sort of artistic mm-hmm. and sort of technically curious things related to photography. So I think I've always had an interest in it. And mm-hmm. in the equivalent to high school, I took uh, one of these courses, but I wasn't kicked out of the <laughs> <laughs> Like another participant in no, the podcast was. Yeah, yeah, you're open, opening up some wounds there, Eric. Uh, Jamie Jacob, you're <laughs> opening, up some, opening up some wounds there, man. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's also it's also sort of like a mirror image of your story because uh, there was this girl there, a senior, and she was kind of interested in me, but I was much too shy to <laughs> oh, <laughs> to what? respond I, appropriately to that. <laughs> I'm not I'm not feeling for you, man. She was actually interested in you, whereas the girl I was chasing was not interested in me. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, very good it's on kind you, of man. unfair but in the inverted way 
<laughs> Negative and positive ideas. Yeah, yeah. There you go again. Again, running more uh, more salt in my wounds. But go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so I I did the the darkened thing and black and white development. Uh, but and then my parents divorced and I moved away and uh, I took up photography a little bit again. We had this youth group in church, and I was always the one bringing some kind of camera, either mm-hmm. a disposable I had reloaded or a compact, and pestering my friends with the camera and the flash in their faces. And I did this huge collage on the door of prints, voted by color, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then my hiatus began. I started university in '95, and even though film still ruled, I saw the writing on the wall, and I knew that uh, digital cameras are going to take over. So sure. I sort of thought that should I pay like the equivalent of hundreds of dollars when I'm a starving student for a camera? When really there should be digital cameras soon. Um, but uh, in my head, I was, I think, anticipating much too far because film ruled supreme until 2005, maybe. Yeah. So mm. I was 10 years ahead in my thinking and I didn't do much photography at all. Right. For more than 10 years. Wow. During that time, was you st- was you still like uh, still shooting like snapshots though, still documenting life, but just wasn't really no, a pro- no no not at all really. So uh, um, I took maybe one role during my university years, and this role is now lost. I only have really really low resolution scans from a Kodak Photo CD, like oh yeah, forty by four eighty. Yeah, they were they were the, somewhere. Yeah, they were so low resolution when they gave you those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really kind of silly, actually. Uh-huh. Um, so, for more than ten years, I didn't do any photography, and then I was about to uh, have my child, and uh, that was two thousand eight. So by then, the digital had been a viable option for a couple uh-huh. of years. So I bought a really, really cheap digital point and shoot. Um, and got not really back into it again because the image quality was so sad and the colors were so washed out and everything about it was just awkward. You press the shutter and nothing happens. For a yeah, it took, it, took, it took a couple seconds. <laughs> it took the yeah. picture. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, we speak sometimes about how film lasts and stuff. And right. that may be true, uh, but uh, I lost both most of my film from back when, and I lost most of the images I took with that point and shoot digital mm. point. Mm-hmm. So you gotta keep track of backups, and you gotta keep track of where you put your films. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. 
So, like, fast forward into, you know, like you said, four years ago, you kind of really got back into it. What was what was the impetus behind that? What what, what got you back into photography and, and, uh, and particularly made you go back to film? Well, uh, my wife bought a, an SLR, an APS-C sensor, Canon. I think mm-hmm. it's Digital Rebel in the U.S. and it's a 100D in Europe. Yeah. Uh, and that was kind of expensive mm-hmm. when it was new. I mean, it wasn't the point to shoot. <laughs> right, and right. Eventually, she got some great lenses and stuff like that, too. And uh, I was thinking, hmm, she's doing this. Maybe I should also pick this up again. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh, I couldn't really use her equipment because she'd get annoyed <laughs> if I hogged <laughs> it too much. <laughs> Understandably, I, I guess. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I didn't want to spend as much money. So after a while, I listened to the FBP mm. on that backlog. The, the 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 gateway drug into uh oh, yeah. into film photography. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't remember if I listened to them first or if I bought an SLR first. Uh, but yeah, either way, this these things fed into each other and I bought a Russian Zenith, I think. A Soviet rather, Ukrainian or whatever. Mm-hmm. SLR. And uh, uh, an East German SLR, and I shot my first roll of black and white since high school. And I didn't have the equipment to develop it, so I uh, gave it to a lab. I handed over my East German camera and said, I snapped the film in here, can you please open it up in the dark room? <laughs> <laughs> Because I tried to take that last shot, which oh yeah, breaks. yeah, <laughs> nice. It seems like a lot of those cameras. Um, uh, I, I, I just had a talk with uh, someone. Uh, I think it was Anthony Fisk, and he was talking about how Russian cameras uh, tend to snap the film if you try to go too far with it. I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a trend that I'm seeing here, but but uh, was that a Russian camera you're talking about that that snapped that East film? German, so oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. The Eastern Bloc. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's the metal uh, gears. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah. You no, know, I don't. What's the thing called that goes into the sprockets? Oh, the, yeah, the little, just the the advanced uh, gear or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah my... I imagine those are plastic on some Western cameras and often yeah, metal my... on the. My Lomo LCA has a tendency, which is a Russian-made camera, it has a tendency towards the end of the row to kind of like rip, just rip the uh, sprockets as as uh, the row commences. And uh, I've had some issues with that, but uh, yeah, I guess just got to be uh, uh, got to be gentle with those things, right? So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so and so. You decided to like get a film camera and get back into. Was there a reason? Like, was was there something about digital that wasn't uh, maybe resonating with you, or 
what, what was it that made you to, to, to go f- uh, the route of film instead of uh, just getting another DSLR or whatever? Is there any, anything behind that? Uh, I've always been somewhat of retro-inclined. Right. Even, so I'm, guess, I'm guessing you like vinyl records? Um, <laughs> in theory, yes. I have a right. record player, but I don't have a needle. And I have a bunch of vinyl, but mm. I can't play it, obviously. Mm. And I don't have the preamp either for it. Mm. So <clears throat> I like it on paper, but I haven't really worked up the actual mental and otherwise that's, investment you have to do to actually use honest, it. Honestly, that's probably a good thing because that's another expensive <laughs> rabbit. That's another expensive rabbit hole to get into collecting man is vinyl, but uh, which I yeah. got into a couple years ago and. Uh, yeah, my vinyl collection has uh, has gotten has gotten a lot bigger, but uh, it's slowed down recently because it just gets really expensive, and I don't really have the time to sit down and listen to vinyl as much as I'd like to. And I realized that I was collecting for collecting's sake and not really enjoying these albums like I should because I don't have the time to like sit down and listen to vinyl very often. I, I love it, but it's like, yeah, it's uh, you gotta you gotta be committed. <laughs> and yeah, both, I think time wise and money that. What's that? I, I think I have a handle on collecting, but not really for collecting's sake, because I, I'll see how that works out. But if I get a preamp and a needle, I see myself listening to mostly the records I have and not mm. try to find the complete set or whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> but I have a VHS collection. Oh, there you go. That's pretty this retro. Couch, yeah, this couch I'm lying down on now, talking to you. If you open the lid on that couch, it's chock full of hundreds of VHS tapes. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, VHS is strangely kind of starting to make a little comeback too. Like oh, I'm yeah. seeing, like, yeah, yeah. It's and c- cassettes is another thing that's coming back. Like you know, a lot of a lot of bands now are are choosing to release uh, like cassettes of their albums, uh, which is very strange because. Very few people even have cassette players anymore. I, I still have one, uh, of course, but uh, but, but yeah. it is. And, and these things are actually made. There's at least one factory in France which makes new cassettes. Oh, okay. And you can also buy new players, yeah, USB and stuff. So right, right. There's actually a small industry around this. Uh, sure. I don't see VHS coming back though, because the players are actually wonders of mechanical technology oh, yeah. i think it's too prohibitive to actually make a new player yeah i think the last vhs player i remember there was like the last company i think that made him was like i think it was a company called like funai or something and yeah. they, they they made it under a bunch of different brand names here in the united states but uh, they were like the last maker of it. i remember when they they announced that they were not making them anymore and if you ever look inside of vhs uh, a player like there's a lot going on in there man like there's oh, yeah, a lot of marvel <laughs> it is right right and uh but uh all right so um when you got back into film when was it that um you were like okay this is uh something that makes me happy and this is uh i'm gonna stick with this like yeah, what, what was the, yeah. what was that moment like for one thing my wife declared that uh, no you cannot have photography as your hobby because that's my hobby oh so i was like yeah really okay but uh, <laughs> what if i just make it uh, film photography then 
then hopefully that'll be sufficiently different. There you go. That that, that so, is I, I'll be honest with you, that is the first time I've heard that angle on <laughs> on the yeah. return. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I should do spoilers for <laughs> she's now my ex wife. So <laughs> 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 well, um, you know what? If if uh, if you going back to film photography, uh, at least that's one positive that came out of it, I guess, right? So, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And from a practical standpoint, buying a a Russian or East German SLR was really cheap. Mm-hmm. So, of course, doing film has a higher running cost to it, but the entry is really, really low. Yeah, so yeah. that was one way for me to get started with something that can give, I knew from experience, really good pictures uh, with a low upfront investment. Sure, sure. You could kind of, uh, I think that's, that's one thing, like, I don't think anyone's going to say that film photography is cheap, but you can get in at a low cost entry and then, like, kind of budget your you know your your photographic expenses over a long haul rather than doing the, the entire upfront purchase of a, a wang bang like a uh, nice new dslr you know what i'm saying like you can kind of oh, spread yeah. that spread that cost uh, as your budget allows so that, oh, yeah. that's a yeah yeah uh, and so uh, even yeah go ahead yeah and um she my now ex-wife well, of course didn't like me doing film photography either um, so the long and short of it is that we were going for a trip to the states and mm-hmm. I was packing my bag and I was thinking hmm how many cameras should I really bring <laughs> you know <laughs> carry on luggage you shouldn't mash too much in there Right. So I think I took like uh, two SLRs and two compacts or whatever. And she said, if you bring all these film cameras, we we will have a divorce. Uh oh. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very strange <laughs> ultimatum, man. Like... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and that. That called me. Um, I wasn't even offended because <laughs> I also thought it was. It, re- it really snapped me out of something right. that made it point to the absurdity of not only that but a lot of other things sure. in our life at the time. Uh, so it was deeply unsettling, but also comically absurd. <laughs> And maybe a little bit enlightening in, in a way, as far as very much, where that very relationship much so. was going. Right. Yeah. Um, wow. And this brings, the, um, you know, these podcasts, your podcast, the FBP and uh, Sunny 16. Uh, these three podcasts have actually helped therapeutically very, very much. Oh well, wow! Because, that's that's, that's oh, yeah. super cool, man. That that really warms my heart to hear something like that. Wow, yeah. Because uh, they are ostensibly about film photography, and they feature film photography quite a lot. 
uh, as opposed to the hypersensitive something something <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Uh, throwing, yeah. throwing, a little, throwing a little shade on on him and Hamish. I'm all for it. So, yeah. No, no, I I love these guys. <laughs> yeah, I follow I them religiously. <laughs> I know they're they're hilarious. But <laughs> yeah. there, there's nothing quite like you know <laughs> the bitter things that Evan def- can say sometimes. <laughs> they definitely have their own spin on podcasting for sure. Oh, so. and uh, everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. <laughs> But, so, but anyway, the, it's about film photography, but you also, over the episodes, you get to hear little tidbits from everybody's lives and so on. So that served uh, while I was devouring all the backlogs of all the podcasts. That served to remind me that, uh, yeah, there are glimpses into uh, other people's pretty normal lives mm-hmm. um, that reminded me that yeah the life should be you know more normal and not as absurd <laughs> <laughs> less absurd than like you can't take film cameras on our trip yeah <laughs> right yeah <laughs> yeah so, well that's a uh, man that's uh that's that's very cool to hear like uh you know, uh, I think a lot of times that, uh, and I'm sure anybody that does a podcast, like sometimes you forget about like where uh, people are in their lives when they're when they may be listening, and you don't know what they're going through. And uh, uh, to think that that listening to any of these podcasts would uh, kind of uh, be something that helps somebody in any sort of sort of way or uh, makes them uh, uh, feel like. A bit of normalcy in their routine. I think that's that, that that's I, I don't get to hear that very often. So I appreciate that sentiment, man. Like that really uh, that's really something uh, kind of amazing to hear. So yeah, yeah, and it's uh, I it's been really, really, really a cornerstone for me for a while. Mm-hmm. So it feels kind of strange to say it, but it was extremely important. Wow, that is, that's super awesome, man. Like, uh, and hey, uh, and we've talked, like, uh, people may not know this, but uh, Jacob and I, we talk a lot on uh, Facebook Messenger. <laughs> like, uh, we have a, a pretty much a, a very a, a long, we've had long conversations. And um, uh, so I, uh, I, I appreciate just, it's one of those situations where uh, I have gotten to know so many people through doing this podcast and, that has been kind of the biggest uh, sort of joy of doing it is just meeting people all over the world and, and kind of becoming like feeling like, you know, I, I have like I've, I've become friends with people that I've never met. And uh, I certainly feel that way of, of Jacob and uh, we've had just some great conversations, man. And I, I've definitely appreciated you uh, throughout uh, our, our little, our little Facebook messenger conversation. So <laughs> it's been a, it's been good to get to know somebody on, on another side of the world, man. So, uh, but yeah, very, very cool. Yeah, likewise. Well, uh, so when you, uh, with, uh, shooting film, um, I guess the kind of where I need to go next is like, what is, well, I guess to go back a little bit, um, you you said your dad, your dad had like a dark room and apparently he was a, a bit of a, a, a photography enthusiast. Do you think that like, uh, shaped sort of your, uh, interest in photography or do you think that's something you kind of came upon on, on yourself? 
Uh, I think it it did in in the early years because uh, that he had an interest meant that there were things like uh, black and white prints in the house, mm-hmm. and then knew what cameras were and roughly how they worked. I mean mm-hmm. that light comes in for an instant and somehow paints a picture, but you can't see that picture unless you do something to it. And I also had a, a book of experiments for kids that kids can try at home. And I think there must have been something about a pinhole camera. Oh, yeah. Because I knew that pinhole cameras were a thing. But somehow, as a seven-year-old, I couldn't get it to work. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because... because uh, I exposed uh, the papers. Before to... you put it in there. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I didn't have any chemicals. <laughs> and we're basically like playing house, but with, <laughs> with uh, film gear or paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it, it colored my interest. Sure, sure. Now, and, and uh, on that kind of same vein a little bit, um, I, I know we've talked a lot about, um, and uh, and I, I think you recently discovered some old photos, family photos, and stuff like that. But uh, we've talked about uh, in our our conversations about like the importance of like family photos and, and the snapshots and stuff like that. Is that something that you felt also got your interest in photography, like just the the value and like family old family photos and and taking the taking the family snapshots? Is that uh, where's where's that with it, as far as the importance of your photography? W- what's your thoughts on that? Um, it's the the main thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the art bit too, uh, but I think um, to me, it's. I mean, I have this duality in me where on one side I cannot take myself so seriously. Mm-hmm. But I can pretend to make important art. I think I can make art, but you know, important art. And I also have this devil on my other shoulder that wants me to do world class everything, whatever I do. Mm-hmm. And the perfectionist that usually just paralyzes me. So combining these two sides together, whenever I try to make art for art's sake or whatever i kind of just sigh inside yeah yeah you you, you just you, you have that that sort of internal debate about is this art is it any good and like that sort of uh, it, can, it can be a very um uh what's the word i'm looking for almost a, a very defeating sort of feeling when uh when you struggle yeah. with that yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so it's more like yeah I, I know I'm better now than a few years ago, and um, this shot is maybe decent, uh, but I still land in that it's totally uninteresting. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, you know, not interesting. yeah, I, 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 you know, I've tried to reconcile that because I think everybody, as artists, uh, we go through uh, uh, spans of where we have a lot of self-doubt and a lot of uh, uh, insecurity about our art or whatever. I think it's just, that's just natural for being a creative. And, uh, but one thing I've have noticed is uh, people, 
you know, it doesn't really matter, I guess, because like, I know my photography is not going to change the world. Right. You know, so like mm-hmm. I've tried to like, uh, not get so serious about it. And, and the weird thing is like, you know, if I see shots of yours, uh, something that you may see as a mundane scene or a mundane photograph, you're in a completely different area of the world with completely different scenery than what I, I, than what I see on a daily basis. So I'm going to find interest in that. And there's probably a million other people like me that would find interest, interest in it as well. So I think sometimes we get caught up a little bit about worrying what people see, uh, how people view our art, but the bottom line, it, it is your art, you know, and people don't have to like it, but it's still you expressing yourself. So like, I think that's oh, yeah. the main, yeah, that's the main, yeah, uh, and, and I don't mean like in a totally self-deprecating way that, what I do is shite or whatever. Right. Uh, uh, it's just that I can't work up any enthusiasm to profligate it very much. Mm-hmm. Or something so you, like that. Do you find most of your enthusiasm is documenting family? Like that's where like yes. your kind of love and passion is with it? Definitely. Because mm-hmm. you have a son and your son is what, 12 years old. Is that right? Yep. Yep. And I'm guessing like a big part of your photography is... Uh, documenting him yeah every other shot i think (laughs) well that's awesome man because like uh, that's that that, like again like if my house was on fire i'd be trying to save i'd be be saving the uh the family uh stuff man i ain't i ain't trying to save the artsy fartsy shit you know like let that shit burn up (laughs) yeah uh so as far as like uh when you do like family shots and it seems to be where you where you put your importance on photography uh what are you doing as far as like are you printing or getting prints of of the photos like because i mean backing up these things like, like these memories aren't um you know if you really care about them you have to find ways to archive them so that they will be seeable in the future that they'll live like what, what's been has prints been the way to do it or just like saving scans onto multiple hard drives like what's been your kind of your backup uh, as far as like, because, uh, you know, if you're going to document life, you got to find a way for that to live, right? Uh, for future generations. So, Yeah. Um, when I grew up, I, I thought about the, only the albums, the mm-hmm. albums. And I noticed that the album stopped after a certain year because mm-hmm. uh, my parents probably couldn't keep up with uh, the rest of their lives and taking pictures of everything. Sure. Yeah. And now that's easier to keep up with because you don't have to make sure you buy film and whatever. You just have your phone, worst case. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to just snap away. Um, but um, I think I have really appreciated how easy it is to lose both physical artifacts and digital files so um i wish and they have different kinds of storage properties which i can get back to but um i wish i had more printed but Mm -hmm. for money reasons i don't have as much as i would like to i would like to have like um, prints of everything sure and look at prints and just discard them and sort them like how serious photographers with a budget sometimes do. They like print everything, they spread it out on the floor and then just look at them. That's my dream. Sure. Really, to don't it even is. care about the bad prints. I'll throw them away if I don't like them. Right. Um, but 
I only have some lab prints and I have a handful of um, prints from a thermal dye transfer. Dice up, print. Dice up, yeah, dice yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and apart from that, I don't have that much prints. Mm-hmm. I'd love to go back from my digital scans and make like yearbooks. Yeah. Uh, but I put that on hold too because money is tight right now. Especially now, right. Which actually kind of brings me to uh, then kind of the next subject I want to get to. But like, first of all, uh, not related to COVID, Corona, isolation, and all this, all this, all this BS that's going on right now that we're having to deal with. Uh, what is it like, uh, like photography in Sweden in general? Like, like buying film, cameras. Is it? Is it? Is it? Because I think you're, I think you're the first guest I've had on from Sweden. So, like, is it uh, really expensive there for film? And is like film cameras outrageous? Or like, what what's the market like there? I'd say it's pretty cheap, actually. Oh yeah, the film has a markup compared to US prices, but it's mm-hmm. the same as for a lot of electronics or commodity stuff. So we're used to it. And it's not much. It's like maybe 20% or something more than you pay. Okay. So it's pretty much the same. Uh, You can get it over the counter in basically every city, but people don't know this because there's this chain uh, which has like hardware tools and lots of trinkets. Uh, And this chain is everywhere. And they have it, but you have to know to go to the counter and ask for it. Really? So, really? Yeah, yeah. So it's available, and people don't know it. On so is it like? Is it, is it just like price? Is it like the basic like Kodak Fuji consumer stocks or or, or whatever, or is it like they uh, have a Kodak two hundred something, probably gold? Yeah, I don't remember. And they also have Tri-X. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, that's the two. Wow. They don't have yeah. anything but that. These two. Huh. One black and white, one color. Wow, that's a that's a better selection than most of our like generic sort of like uh, chain stores have in America. It's usually like just a one consumer uh, color film is about all the choice we have. Of course, we have uh, tons of options of online shopping and stuff like that. But uh, I, I I sometimes forget how how lucky we are in the U S for our film prices and stuff like that compared to uh, what a lot of people are dealing with. And so I, I give a lot of props to like people from, you know, in countries where films not as easy to get a hold of or, or it's more expensive when they do. I'm like, wow, you guys are really dedicated to be shooting, <laughs> shooting film because I, I got it kind of made as far as like our film prices. So, yeah. Yeah. And there's also the thing. If, if you go to, I don't know, is it Walgreens you have in the States? What's that? CVS is that the the yeah yeah that, yeah that's yeah that's, yeah that's one of the pharmacies not chains, Walgreens yeah. Walgreens is the UK maybe no we have Walgreens too yeah okay yeah, yeah. then Boots is the UK one yeah yeah that's right but don't they many of those have uh, film still they they do and it's outrageous it's like they have uh, like yeah. Walgreens uh, has but like still that's a reminder to people that when they walk past that shelf. And they look, oh, you can still buy film? Where? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you still see it. It's still out in the open for people to see, right? Yeah, yeah. so that's a constant reminder that it actually exists. And you also have a lot of 
domestic air travel, even though that may change now because of this strange disease <laughs> going right. around. But whatever. People, I think, in the US are much more aware that film is still a thing. While the last rolls of uh, Off the Shelf film that you could actually see disappeared mm-hmm. in Sweden maybe 2008 or something. Oh, wow. Wow. So a lot of people actually, honest to God, believes that it's not a thing or that maybe it's some kind of super esoteric <laughs> right, right. You know, something you could you know theoretically get down or something but that it must be very very special or it's just gone that's the common so, belief so i mean how would somebody know like i mean i know you know but like how would somebody else know like i need i want to i want to like I, I i'm in sweden and i, I want to try film photography out i wonder if the store carries it like they wouldn't know to go ask for it would they because it's not out for them to see like i mean how would they know to even find it there like would they even yeah, know I, that i think i think if you get the slightest inkling that oh it's still a thing then you search for it on the internet and then you uh-huh. find all the online options. But I think it's that thing where if you don't know it actually exists still, hmm. uh, then you might miss out. But if you're even the slightest interested, you'll find all the online options. And those sure. are good in Sweden. We have a, a huge selection. Mm-hmm. So uh, do, you, do you find that, do you ever see other film shooters in Sweden when you're, when you're out and about? Do you ever see somebody with a film camera shooting film? Actually, I think I saw it the last, the first time um, in my city uh, last summer. Really? Um, there was this young couple in their early 20s, uh, and they each had a film camera. Oh, wow. And I al- almost tripped over myself. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but what is this? <laughs> so I invited them for tea, and we had a chat, and uh, I gave them a couple of roles, and so yeah, that was unexpected. That was oh, the first time in my city. That's super awesome. I'm glad that you embraced them and uh, kind of uh, yeah, and gave them a. It's always it's cool when I anytime you hear like young people shooting it because I mean that's the future, right? So like yeah, yeah. that's a yeah, that's a great that's a great uh, always a good sign. Um, so what about like um, like photography in in Sweden in general? Like uh, during this during the during this time because I mean I know this this. This interview is going to air. Uh, who knows where we're going to be at with us by the time this interview airs? But like, have you like been shooting during this kind of isolation? Have you been doing that? I'm guessing most of your photography seems to be centered around like your family snapshots anyway. But have you been trying to document more uh, of like your son and stuff like that during this time, or have you been trying to get out and shoot some photography? Where, where you been at with that? Um, things in Sweden have been pretty much business as usual, actually. Yeah, um, didn't, didn't you guys kind of like take a different angle to this than a lot of people did? Where like uh, just more of a, I don't know. It, it seems like you didn't really close down like a lot of places did in Europe, right? Yeah, it's 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 kind of weird from three angles. I think mm-hmm. uh, the first one is uh, the prejudice about Swedes, you know, being non-social and not. <laughs> <laughs> hanging around much anyway and I think there there is some truth to that there's there's these mean pictures of Swedes waiting for the bus and they all keep 10 meters apart, oh that's 10 yards apart, sorry 
so so the so so the the general vibe is that oh you guys don't get close to each other anyway so we're all good <laughs> is that, is that kind of the yeah but, but it but it's not it's not actually true it's, right right it's more like a fun thing to say right uh, but but the other is that yes from one perspective we handle this very very differently from many countries with lockdowns mm-hmm. and stuff um, but this gets. I don't want to say overblown because it's really important, but it gets angled very strangely depending on who's telling the story. <clears throat> because sometimes you get to hear that, oh, Sweden didn't, didn't do anything. They just kept on as business as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not true. Uh, because we, we didn't have any mandatory lockdown or police patrolling streets or whatever but actually people have changed their behavior a lot and okay if you have a gathering now of more than 50 people you can actually get jail for six months oh wow okay if you're the organizer of that event so um, i don't think anyone has been actually uh, what do you say? Imprisoned? <laughs> no, exactly for that. Right, right. But, but there are some some harsh restrictions, but most are on board with that anyway. It's not like anyone in defiance is gathering more than fifty people and telling mm-hmm. everybody come arrest us. So it was more like it seemed. Your but country more voluntarily decided this was a smart thing and didn't need a, didn't need a whole lot of government interaction to tell them to do this. Is that pretty much the way it was? There's been a lot of government interaction and yeah. so-called advice, but this right. advice is not like, oh, you might want to think about it. It's it's like stern advice, you know. Mm. Mm. <laughs> do this, or we all be screwed. <laughs> nice. That's probably the uh, best way to best way to approach it. Truthfully, yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, I don't know. Every country likes to think themselves special, either uniquely, uh, you know, the manifest destiny. We are the leaders of the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or they like to uh, think their country uniquely corrupt and vile, and you know. <laughs> but you, but you tend to think of yourself as special. Yeah. And I'm also a victim to that thinking so sometimes i get weirdly proud of of the behavior <laughs> we might do here <laughs> uh, but 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 the thing is i really really wonder in this case was it really necessary for all of these governments throughout europe and uh, in various states in the us to order lockdowns or could they have chosen uh a different path with perhaps the same level of compliance, but without this, um, in some cases, really draconian power display mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of government. I wonder because when you when you push people, some are naturally inclined to push back. Yeah, that, we're seeing that in the U.S. right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, Swedes are often described as meek and, you know, things like that. But uh, 
in reality, I think our government also know that if they try to push too hard, uh, you'd have a lot of people not very happy. Pushing back, that. right. Yeah, right. definitely. Because That's interesting. Sweden has like, um, there's this uh, annual score of attitudes in different countries of the world. And Sweden has a uniquely high score on individuality. Mm. which I like to tongue-in-cheek put as uh, we are determined to die for our right mm. to do as we please and copy the neighbor. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so we want to feel this uh, feeling that, yeah, I, I, I can choose whatever the hell I want. And then we use this freedom to do exactly as the other guy. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, I think you see that in a lot of countries, man. Uh, that, that that phenomenon exists in the USA as well. So, but uh, yeah. Uh, well, one thing that uh, you had mentioned in the in the pre-recording before we wrap this up that you kind of wanted to talk about because I asked you if there was any 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 subjects you kind of wanted to get to, and uh, you mentioned uh, the, the kind of the first thing that popped up was scanning film. And yeah. I, I believe I'm going to agree with you on this. So what do you want to say about uh, film scanning and, and what do you think about that? <laughs> well, I hear I heard some people like it and more people who hate it. And I kind of like it, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, speaking of this financial barrier to entry, in the end, I decided that, yeah, I may have a cheap SLR, but actually I want good scans. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take the plunge. And I bought one of these <clears throat> in the US. It's called the Prime Film XA yep. Yep. 135 scanner. I believe that might be very, very similar to the one I still have in the box in my yes. cupboard that I haven't opened up yet. Yes. <laughs> it, it's uh, allegedly, yours is allegedly optically almost as good as mine right and right that would place it at the pro level as far right. as i can tell when nikon or nikon did the uh, pro level skin. Skin. Yeah. yeah this one is is just as good it's just that uh, it's really 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 finicky mm-hmm. uh, i bought it because it could allegedly scan a full roll of film uh, and it sort of can, but it misses the the spacing between the pictures. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. on almost most of my my rolls, it gets out of alignment and like takes half of one shot and the other half of the other shot. So it can scan a whole roll of film, but you have to babysit it and <laughs> right. do mic- micro adjustments for each frame. So it defeats and the purpose it, of the auto loading because it's not really that <clears throat> auto. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's still not as annoying as having to load it in carriers and have the carriers keep the film flat or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Because it keeps the film, even extremely curled film, it keeps extremely flat while in the scanner. Mm. And it's got autofocus and so on. Uh, but if you want good quality, it, it scans for two minutes. 
and then you have to babysit and do micro adjustments and then wait two more minutes <laughs> and do <laughs> micro adjustments. So, so that's super annoying. Mm-hmm. So there's no, there's no way to get good quality scans or even decent scans for decent money. You have to choose between fast, cheap and crappy or high investment either in time or money or both because you have to get a high quality digital camera and some kind of tripod setup and backlighting or flash which easily adds up to what this thing cost which was like six hundred dollars or something right right or you have to plunge six hundred dollars and then babysit it and give it your precious time of your life too. Right, and the right. older you get, the more you appreciate that the actual currency of life is not our dollars or other such monetary currency, but it's actually time. <laughs> it is. It is. Yep. So while I don't hate scanning, I don't like how it sucks away so much of my time. Right. It, it, it seems like too. Like it's that's the weird thing. Like I feel like where the the film photography industry has gone uh, is as much as it's grown in the last couple of years, it still hasn't made it to a point where someone can, can make a viable scanner that scans like a, like a 35 millimeter negative, just, just big enough to do like eight by 10. No one has been able to like come out. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, even, uh, even like a pack on quality. R- right. Would be revolutionary. At this point. It would be, it would be, but I don't know that we're ever going to get to the point where there's a company that can justify that expenditure and get their money back on it. And so we're at this weird little, like uh, we're in this weird middle zone where we can't get a better scanner because it's not a big enough market for that, for a company to invest in it. But we're also like, we're big enough to where there's this huge outcry of people pissed off about scanning. So yeah. Yeah. And this, this, uh, this podcast episode can also serve maybe us, my dipping a toe and asking the audience, should I do a Kickstarter for this? There you go. There you go. A pack on quality scanner. Right, right. I, I, I just think it would take so much investment. I mean, hey, if you can pull it off, uh, Jacob, I'm all, I'm, all, that's, I'm all for that's, it. That's the blessing and the curse of being me because I'm blessed with seeing how all things fit together and actually being, if I may say so myself, quite clever and the curse being that uh, I seldom can muster (laughs) the stamina to see any of my projects through. (laughs) Well, well, Jacob, you keep me informed on that. And if you ever get something going like that, I will, I will promote you to the, to the, to the cows come home. They they would say here in America. (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, And uh, like, even like uh, you take like Epson, like, you know, like they're top of the line scanners now, the V800, V850. Gosh, how long have those things been out? 10 years? Something like that? Yeah. Like, since, since last time they've updated any scanning technology. And, like, I honestly, I don't think, I don't know we'll ever get another one from them, to be honest no, with you. I, like, I'm sure we won't. We'll right. Have, we're just happy that they probably somewhat uh, confused notice that they still make money on them and yeah, still make yeah. them. Like, this is weird. They should have declined by now, but people still buy them. Oh, okay. Right. Let's order a new round. 
<laughs> turn the lights on in the scanner factory yeah. for another yeah. day. So we're going to need to make another couple hundred uh, scanners. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Jacob, this has been uh, it's been fun to f- finally talk to you, man. Like this is uh, it's 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 like you know we've we've had so much chats uh, through like Messenger and stuff. It's just good to good to hear your voice and and have a nice conversation. Uh, I just I just I really appreciate you joining me tonight for this little 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 interview. Thank these you. little little strange solo interviews, but uh, <laughs> solo show interviews. But uh, yeah. it's been a blast, man. Well, Thank uh, you and. So much. Oh no! Thank you. And hey, how about you tell the people where to uh, where to check you? Are you active on social media at all? Is there any place you want people to like check out your work or see any of your photography? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, I'm on Facebook, so people can find me in in the Negpost group. And Facebook if they want group. to, fr- yeah, sure. in the neg- negative positives Facebook group. So, and if they want to friends request me they can do that um i also have an instagram account but it's private so you can't just go there and uh you know check out what i've got there mm-hmm. but it's also not like a super secret account or anything so if anybody okay. uh friend requests me there and it doesn't look like one of these spam bots then i some, accept some, it some, some hot chicken a bikini or something so yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> deny <laughs> <laughs> and what, what was that what's that account uh it's the city i live in only with the game of thrones spelling uh <laughs> westeros w-e-s-t-e-r-o-s underscore reactor all right Westeros reactor and uh yeah so definitely uh if you want to see uh uh, or communicate with uh jacob hit him up through the facebook group or through this instagram account and uh hey he's a he's a he's a a good guy to chat to and uh and so uh and also uh check out his work so uh but again so yeah uh, jacob thank you so much for joining me man like uh uh it's been uh, another one of those things like i remember when i first started talking about doing these little solo show, solo show ep, uh, interviews. I thought I'm gonna try to keep these about 30 minutes, and every single one on one of them I've done have went an hour, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not apologizing for that one bit because it's just been a blast to get to get to talk to people all around the world. And uh, uh, so uh, this is also. Uh, even though this isn't like the end segment of the show, uh, anybody that comes on negative positive, I feel like they they need that opportunity to say uh, and shoot some cool film photos. So how about I uh, I give you the tagline? Everybody say positive, and you throw out and shoot some cool film photos. You think you think you can nail it? Are, are you feeling confident on that? Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Nice. All right. Well, again, thanks to Jacob Erickson uh, from the the wonderful land of Sweden, uh, joining us uh, here on this uh, the solo show interview. And uh, all right, so uh, Jacob, good talking to you. Everybody, stay positive and uh, shoot some cool film photos. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> Bill Manning will love you. Added that in there. So. <laughs> <laughs>
right, folks, we're back for the final segment. And a uh, huge thanks to uh, Jacob Erickson for joining me for a, a nice little chat or a solo show interview all the way out in Sweden. Or I maybe, should, maybe I should say Jakob Erickson if I want to pronounce it I don't know, somewhat correctly in my Kentucky accent. But uh, <laughs> a huge thanks for him. Always, uh, always great talking with him. Uh, also, uh, we're going to do uh, get straight to a, a call-in. And uh, this one's going to come from Eric Dan. And uh, he's going to be talking about one of my favorite emulsions. Uh, yeah, Kodak Tri-X. So see, folks, the call-ins don't always have to be camera reviews. You can call in about anything about your film photography. This is going to be him talking about the lovely, uh, the classic, the historic, the legendary Kodak Tri-X. So let's listen to what he has to say about that. Hey, Gutterman, Roxanne, and Andre. Um, Eric again here from uh, 35... Millimeterlove.com and 35millimeterlove on Instagram. Um, I'm calling in to uh, review a film. Um, the film I want to review is Kodak uh, Tri-X. Um, I've been shooting uh, black and white film for almost seven, eight years now. Um, I've tried all of them, basically. I kind of started with uh, Neopan uh, 400, since I live in Japan, and that was uh, around. It was cheap, easy to get on Yahoo Auction over here. Um, so I shot that for the longest time. And then when I went away, I kind of tried HP5 and, um, <clears throat> well, I don't know, um, Across, um, um, uh, a couple of rows of plus X, I think, and uh, Delta 3200, um, when the T-Max 3200 came out, I bought a few of those, um, so I kind of tried them all, um, and for the first few years, I was scanning my film, and, um, but when I started printing, um, I just noticed that most most of the prints I really liked were shot on Tri-X. Um, and I've tried a bunch of different developer, developers over the years, too. But um, somehow, um, that didn't even matter. The Tri-X just looked really nice um, on prints. Um, and, but, yeah, I've been trying to get consistent um, prints, so I decided to maybe... You know, stop shooting other films and just settle on Triax. Uh, it's uh, sort of a cliche film. I, I don't know how to explain it. Everyone shoots it. Everyone says it's the best, but it's true. Um, it just works for me. Um, nowadays, I shoot it um, at 1600, and I develop it in Rodinol 1 to 50. Um, most of my printing is done on 5 by 7. So the grain is not too noticeable, even with uh, Rodinol. Um, but I've also done a couple of 11 by 14s, and even then it kind of looks nice. Um, it has that gritty look, but I like it. Um, and I've tried the T-Max 3200. I've tried Delta 3200 um, at 1600, at 3200 ISO. And... Just can't get to, can't get them to look, um, 
Good. I don't know. I've tried everything, um, but it just doesn't work for me. Uh, the triads just seems to be um, better. Even at 3200, I prefer that film over, over the high-speed films. Um, I've shot triads at 200, at 400 um, on beach vacations. It just works. Um, uh, it's a great film. Uh, I... I, I I hear a lot of people are complaining about the uh, curling. Um, I can't say anything about that because uh, I don't scan film anymore. So it doesn't really matter if the film curls or not. I mean, once you load it into your negative carrier or the larger, it sort of squeezes the film flat anyhow. So I don't know. Not an issue for me. Um, Okay, that's all I have to say about Triax. So if you haven't tried it, give it a try. It's a beautiful film. Um, all right, good luck. Well, thank you, Eric Dan from uh, www.35millimeterlove.com. It's 35mmlove.com uh, and also on Instagram, 35mmlove. Uh, uh, for your uh, calling on Kodak Tri-X, one of my favorite films. And, uh, you know, uh, we got a little thunder out here tonight. Uh, A little little storm coming in. Uh, But anyway, uh, uh, so yeah, uh, Tri-X. I I usually shoot it anywhere from 200, 400, 800, 1600. I haven't pushed it to 3200. I just had a conversation with Andre uh, on the phone late uh, a couple nights ago. Uh, We were talking about, you know, I, I... I was actually shocked that I haven't been shooting a lot of T Max 3200 recently, and it's one of my favorite films. But honestly, I haven't done a lot of night photography recently. Uh, but I've never really pushed Kodak to 3200. Maybe I should try it now after hearing uh, Eric's uh, uh, description of how he likes it better than actually shooting T Max 3200. So, uh, also about the the cupping. Everybody talks about the cupping with Tri-X and it makes a big deal out of it. And it can be like at certain times of the year here in Louisville, it, it does tend to cup on me a little bit after the film dries, after I develop it. Um, certain other times of year, it doesn't do that. Other times it dries completely flat. If it does cup, what I do is I just roll it backwards with the emulsion out uh, and, and stick it back into the like the 35 millimeter plastic canister that the film cartridge comes in and just sit it in there like rolled up on itself with the emulsion out for like a day and I come back the next day and pull it out of that film canister the little plastic you know 35 millimeter film canisters and it's it's uh, flat as all get out so uh, just a, a way to work around that to, to allow you to shoot this uh, classic film I mean how many classic photos have been taken with Triax so uh, but again thanks to Eric for uh, that, that, that call in and uh, if you want to send a call in about anything in your film photography cameras film developing processes anything very easy to do just uh, uh, record the audio file usually the easiest way is on your phone just using your voice recording app or whatever and just send that file on over to negpositives at gmail.com I'll put it in the queue to get it on the air and uh, speaking of that and there's another way to do it you can do it through the anchor app uh, if you have the anchor app uh, you can do like a one minute call in uh, two negative positives on the anchor app as well and we actually got one I haven't got an anchor app calling in a while and I'm gonna go ahead and get that in right here it's just a quick little quick little uh, uh, kind of uh, intro to someone that just joined our community so we're gonna listen to um, Keith Sharples who actually sent us a little call in on the anchor app so let's listen to what Keith has to say hello I'm Keith Sharples from Kings Lynn near uh, the wash uh, Norfolk. Um, I'm a recent returner to photography. 
um, after best part of 20 years. Um, but just wanted to get back into some old film uh, photography. And thought I would uh, give you guys a call and see about joining up um, on the recommendation of a friend of mine who's a member of the podcast, uh, Jim Graves. Okay, we'll uh, look forward to hearing from you and maybe we can share some experiences along the way. Thanks a lot. Bye for now. Well, thank you, Keith Sharples. And hey, you know what? Thanks for the call in on the Anchor, uh, through the Anchor app. And hey, welcome back to Film Photography and welcome to this wonderful community that is going on in this wonderful hobby that we have. And uh, yeah, and uh, Keith has kind of went all in because he actually uh, has started a podcast. And uh, I think there's like one episode out at this point. It, his podcast is called The Jazz and Photography Years Revisited. Uh, I haven't found it on all my podcasts on my podcast catcher yet i use the apple podcast app or whatever uh but it is on spotify i found it there and uh, you know a lot of times when you start a new podcast it takes a while to get it to the other podcast catchers or whatever so uh if you can't find it uh it should pop up at some point on all the all the catchers i'm i'm, I'm sure but i know for for a fact that i listened to it on spotify here recently and uh, he's doing a really good job with it. A really nice uh, uh, first uh, effort at a new podcast, The Jazz and Photography Years Revisited uh, from Keith Sharples. So, hey, welcome to the community, Keith. Uh, good to have you along, along for the ride. So, okay, uh, last thing we need to get to, I guess, is let's get some, um, uh, some coffee donations. Uh, we had a couple here. And I want to get to those uh, uh, once again. The ever, ever uh, infamous and uh, generous Mr. Nigel Cliff. Thank you, Nigel, so much. Uh, he says, "Great interview with Sven." He's talking about Sven Olav Humperset from the Viewfinder Vikings podcast. I think it was the last solo show that I did. And uh, he says, "With a bit about curly film being very useful." Well, I think I just repeated myself when I was talking about uh, Eric Dan's Triax call-in. So, uh, but yeah, thank you, Nigel, so much. You've been. Uh, you're awesome. You rock. And uh, next up is uh, a donation from Paul Grant. And he says, thank you for the podcast and the group. Mike, it's allowed me to return to the hobby of film photography and flourish. Well, thank you, Paul. And uh, I, I will say, like anybody that has uh, any new uh, people that have donated to Kofi uh, donations, I'm still sending out a sticker and a, a negative positive sticker and button too. So, Paul, I've got a sticker and button coming from Kentucky all the way to the UK. Uh, probably get it in the mail tomorrow. So, uh, hopefully, that will arrive safely. Some of them have not arrived safely, but uh, let me know if it doesn't get there, and I'll, I'll send you another if it gets damaged in the mail going traveling across the pond or whatever. So, uh, but yeah, while supplies last, I'm giving away stickers and a negative positive button to anybody that uh, contributes to the, the Kofi donation. So, uh, thank you, Nigel and Paul. Uh, you guys. Uh, are super awesome okay uh the last thing i need to get to i guess here is um uh the, the listener music track for this uh for this uh this episode and uh, you know on these solo episodes i have made a call out for uh, anybody that also happens to be a musician also like keith sharples uh obviously was a musician or is a musician and a photographer as well so uh, Keith, we already have a bond there. So, uh, but so I, I, I'm always interested in hearing what other film photographers are doing in the community uh, that are also happen to be musicians. I want to hear their music. I want to hear your original music, and I want to play them on this show and let everybody hear what you, what you're doing and maybe one of your other passions besides photography. So, uh, and so 
yeah, I've got a bunch of uh, files that have been sent to me or whatever. Uh, I'm starting to get through them though. I, I haven't had any new ones coming for a while. So if you guys happen to, to be photographers that also play original music, play an instrument, hey, even if you just want to pick up your acoustic guitar and play a little ditty and send it to me, like whatever, uh, I'll take it. It doesn't have to be the best recording quality. Don't worry about that. I just like to highlight uh, what uh, kind of music other photographers make because uh, it's kind of my two passions. So it, I get a big thrill out of it. And so anyhow, this week we're going to go back to another track from Mr. Tim Allen. He sent me several and you've heard several tracks from him so far. Uh, but uh, this is, uh, is going to be a, a song called Silky Hair from Tim Allen. And uh, he says he's out of the Space Coast, Cocoa Beach, Cape Canaveral, Florida. All the music is homemade, including any source of imperfections, whatever's cool. So uh, we're going to listen to Silky Hair from Tim Allen uh, right at the end of this, after I get out all the social information. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll listen to that. Uh, so uh, stay tuned for that. I think you'll like it. So, okay. Uh, hey, everybody. Have a great week. And uh, we will have a roundtable episode next. Episode 320 will be a roundtable. And it looks like we have uh, Mr. Mike Padua uh, from Shoot Film Co. lined up. And Mr. Sam Warner is going to be on our panel for the next uh, roundtable discussion. I haven't confirmed with him yet, but that's that's the plan at this point. So we'll see if that, <laughs> well, hopefully that will, will come, come to fruition. But uh, until then, everybody have a great week. Okay, you can see my photography on... Um, Instagram at Gutterman Photo on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. Uh, you can email this program at negpositives at gmail.com. Uh, let's see. Uh, we also have an Instagram account under the account name Negative Positives. If you submit photos to Instagram, think about the hashtag Negative Positives. And uh, that account is mostly helped. Uh, gets, gets, gets a huge help from Mr. Bryce Randall. Uh, and uh, if, he, uh, if he happens to see your post with that tag, maybe he'll highlight it for all of us to check out. And uh, huge thanks to Bryce for helping us with that account. Uh, he does a lot of good work for us. And uh, uh, let's see. Also, join the Facebook group. It is the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. Uh, and one other thing about Instagram, uh, the 80s filter challenge. We're going to, to the end of July, uh, the 80s cheesy filters, uh, photos, any cheesy 80s fil- uh, photos you want to take, uh, if you want to compete in that little contest, use the hashtag on Instagram, 80s filter challenge. That's eight, no, no, it's actually NPP, sorry, NPP 80s filter challenge, NPP 80S filter challenge. Uh, use that hashtag so we can find those photos and determine a winner uh, at the end of July for the, the cheesiest 80s photo. Uh, and you'll win a, a camera strap from uh, Do North Leather, Mr. Mark Rossi, uh, uh, donated to us. Uh, so you'll get a, a, a a wonderfully handmade canadian made uh leather camera strap is one of the prizes you can win if you uh give us a really good funny cheesy 80s photo so uh let's see what else anything else uh, oh yeah kofi uh, if you'd like to support this program that is www.ko-fi.com slash negative positives uh to uh help support this program and we always appreciate that uh again everybody have a great week uh i'm gonna listen to tim allen silky hair and uh yeah hey everybody stay positive and shoot some cool film photos
A Gutter Man Cave Production!